it's a reminder that every day, if, if you call yourself Super Dave, you better show up and have a pretty good engagement with someone. Like you can't show up and be mad and you can't walk into a networking meeting with Super Dave on your badge and then walk around all mopey and whatever. And so it's a reminder for me, that's how I want to show up in the world. Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Hello, economic development friends. If we don't know each other yet, I'm Dane Carlson. I'm the Director of Economic Development in Galveston County, Texas, and host of the Econ Dev Show. I'm super excited about our guest today, Super Dave Quinn, because it's not every day that you have a superhero on your show. Super Dave is one of those economic developers that seems to be known and to know everybody. He's also a sought-after public speaker, influencer, and an all-around great guy. He served as the vice president of the Frisco EDC in Frisco, Texas from 2014 to 2018, where he helped lead an economic development team for one of the nation's fastest-growing cities. Since then, he's co-founded and is the managing partner for Day One Experts, an on-demand economic development and small business consulting firm. He's also the founder of the Texas Economic Development Connection, a statewide marketing partnership that connects out-of-state businesses with relocation opportunities in Texas. Let's dive in. Welcome back. I'm here with Super Dave Quinn. Super Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Payne is finally getting the opportunity to visit with you. I'm happy to be here. I'm super excited to have you. And I would say that one of the reasons that we have this show is so that I can meet interesting people in the economic development arena from around the world. And you, having a nickname like Super, prepended to your name, sound like a pretty interesting person. So first off, Tell me, how did that come about? How did that name come about for you? Did you create that one day or is that what your mother called you? Or did you get that because of something you earned? Uh, no, man, I appreciate you asking that question. I always get it. People wonder, okay, is it just some guy being very egotistical or, or what's going on? And I actually got it when I was in college. I was a bus driver in college. Uh, my friends started calling me Super Dave because Super Dave Osborne was popular then. And as a bus driver, I like to talk to people. A lot of bus drivers, they would, you know, put their nose in the book and study while they were in between uh, their rounds. But I always like to talk to people. And I figured out that through that, when people get to know people, it was easy for people to recognize me and sort of name branding. It was a personal brand before that was even a thing. I didn't know what it actually was a really easy way for me to get invited to parties. And I figured out people knew who I was and I was friendly. I would get an invite if they were having a party at their apartment that weekend or whatever. And I could show up and Somebody would say, who are you? And I would say, hey, I'm Super Dave, the bus driver. And somebody in the room would say, oh, Super Dave, buddy, he's cool. And so it started out as that. And then as I got older, obviously, it, it just hung around. But then I realized one day I, I read a book and it talked about how we get to choose how we show up in the world. Every day we put on personas and we show up in the world. Some of us do it by default. Some of us are intentional, We, but we all put on this who we think, who we want to be in the world. And so for me, it's an intentional way of me wanting to show up in the world. It's how I want the world to see me. 
And it's a reminder that every day, if, if you go by the name, if you call yourself Super Dave, you better show up and have a pretty good engagement with someone, right? Like you can't show up and have, be mad and you can't walk into a networking meeting with Super Dave on your badge and then walk around all mopey and whatever. And so it's a reminder for me, that's how I want to show up in the world. I want people to, whenever we interact, to walk away or, or and remember that was a, a good experience. And it's, it plays both ways. It's catchy. There's a lot of Dave Quinn's. There's a lot of Super Daves, but there's only one Super Dave Quinn. It's kind of easy for that and personal branding. And that's all important now. But honestly, it's more than that. It's how I want to show up in the world. And it's a daily reminder that if I'm going to make a difference in the world, I have to show up and be Super Dave. That reminds me, so many people, when they, they get dressed up, when they go to work, they put on a suit and tie. Mm -hmm. And that's not what they wear around the house. That's not what they wear to mow the lawn. They intentionally dress themselves for success or, or to present this persona of being successful or being mm -hmm. uh, professional. And your name is the same sort of mask that you put on. It's, it's not necessarily hiding who you are. It's just giving you this persona to live in and to be. And, and like you said, it's a personal brand. It makes it so much easier. I'm sure that if you Google Super Dave Quinn, you're the guy who comes up. If anybody's talking about Super Dave Quinn, it's you they're talking about. So that's excellent. That is an excellent insight. And I think talking about economic development, that's so one of the big problems that so many communities have is that they're, they think that they have these unique assets and that they're a unique community and they're, the, they're one of a kind. But the truth of the matter is communities are, are basically all the same. They all have the same sort of basic infrastructure and services and all of that and resources. And using your model of giving yourself a name, an aspirational name, and then working towards that aspirational name and being that is who you are when you show up, that gives them something to market about themselves. That gives them something to sell with, to latch onto and to build from. That, that's, I think that's excellent advice that, you, that I stumbled through and that you came up with. Do you have anything to say with, about that? Yeah, sure. You're exactly right. Most cities, uh, towns, Streets, water, sewer, mundane, same stuff. It doesn't matter. It's the person or the people of the town that really makes a difference. But I, I did that in Leveland in one of my first jobs. One of the things that I kept hearing about my ideas and things I wanted to do, they're like, that's pretty progressive. We're not, that's not something we want to, I don't know about doing that. You just get those, the naysayers and the kind of the, the curmudgeons. They, they've been in the community for a long time and, and they're not necessarily excited about change. They don't think it'll work or whatever. And so I started, we called ourselves or started a branding campaign around progressive on purpose. And the whole idea was when people would say, why are you doing that? I was like, we're being progressive and we want to be a, a progressive on purpose. And it's the same sort of thing. I was laying over this vision of what I wanted the town to be and, and the ideas that I wanted them to embrace. And so I just gave them an easy way to embrace that. It's hard to explain sometimes, but if you can quantify that in a branding message or a, a, like you said, an aspirational name and give people a rallying cry. Now, not everybody bought into it at first. There's a handful of your passionate few is what I call them. And those are the people you, if you can in, engage them and give them the tool that they need or the idea that's easy to sell. Um, what Seth Godin calls an idea virus, right? If you can make it really easy for them to spread that, 
then you can empower them and just, then you're just fanning the flames. You're letting them do it for you. And they didn't always say progressive on purpose, but they did use the word progressive. And a lot of conversations, they would say, well, that's just a very progressive way we're, we're attacking that problem. Or, and, and it would get around, I would be in conversations and it would get back to me indirectly. I could hear the language from someone I knew I didn't say that directly to, but I knew they'd been talking to people in the social network or this was before social media really, but yeah, I think towns can do that as well. You decide who you want to be and then decisions, your decision matrix gets very sort of simplified because it either moves you toward that goal or it doesn't. And you don't get uh, bogged down in, in things that are, are chase rabbits that you don't need to. You're moving toward this sort of idea of who you want to be. So absolutely communities can do it. And I'm a big believer in creating and building the vision that you want to aspire to. And just going back to your name analogy, once you come up with a new name for yourself, eventually that's what everybody calls you. Regardless of what they called you before, eventually you call yourself that enough. Eventually they're going to start calling you that. It's the same in a community. You you say this is who we are and this is who we're trying to be. And eventually those naysayers, they, they eventually come around because that's what everybody calls the place. So that's excellent. So that brings me to this idea. You have been a very successful economic developer in a number of cities in Texas. And and now you are the managing partner of Day One Experts, and you are the founder of the Texas Economic Development Connection. So why don't you tell me about that transition? Um, I understand you were in Frisco, and then you started Day One, or how, how did that all play out? Hey, man, that's a great, uh, great question, and thank you for that. I was, you're right. I was recruited um, out of Loveland, which is my first job, moved to Bastrop, and then was recruited up to, to Frisco. And I always tell people that was like going from minor league baseball into playing for the New York Yankees or say Texas Rangers, but it's like, it was really big deal. And suddenly we're seeing the kind of deals that most people see in a lifetime. We were seeing one or two a week and it was just incredible. And I'm working with Jim Gandy and, and his team and was very honored to have that opportunity to work for a community that was just had everything clicking on all cylinders. And so I did that for about four and a half years. And then Jim retired in 2018. And at that time, there was just a shift in, I would say, as often happens in political environments, just a shift in focus and in the way things were going to be done. And sometimes I use the analogy of a quarterback who was brought in to run one type of offense, and then the coach change, and suddenly, or then they want to run a different offense, and suddenly you're not the fit anymore. And that was, I can really see that. And so when Jim left, I decided to leave also and jump into entrepreneurship, which I uh, had wanted to do for a long time. And just when you're on such a winning team, it's really hard to change in the midst of something when you're truly really going good. And the guy at Apple said, if you have too many Mondays in a row, then you need to start looking at what's going on. If you are, if, or if you ask yourself too many days in a row that if this was the last day here, this is what I'd want to do. And if too many days in a row, the answer is no, then you need to go be doing something else. And, and that kind of happened. I just it stopped being fun. And so I decided to jump into entrepreneurship. And then Jim and I decided we had kept getting con uh, asked to be on consulting with a couple of private developers or business uh, owners would um, want to work with the community and, and they couldn't quite get the help they were needing. And they knew they could get it in Frisco, but they, what they were doing in Frisco, the communities, for whatever reason, wasn't figuring out how to put that together. And so we consulted and helping them structure the, the partnerships like we did in Frisco. And after doing that a couple of times, we met for, uh, 
lunch at Rudy's Barbecue in Frisco on a December afternoon or noon and drew up a plan on butcher paper inside the restaurant and said, hey, let's make a go at this. And so we formed a partnership, which is Day One Experts, and we trade on our relationships and our experience to help people get results. And again, Jim's been in the business for probably more decades than he's forgotten more about economic development than most people will ever know. And just the master of putting deals together and then combining my experience and marketing and some just creative approaches and innovation. We put that together and we have a third partner who's a private specialist. He works on the private side businesses and structuring businesses so that they can scale and create investment opportunities. And so we just talk all that knowledge and now we've been able to play on all sides of the equation. We work with communities on the public side and then on the private side, we help developers go in and create win-win partnerships with the public-private partnerships with communities to get deals done. And then we have access to capital that's on the sidelines looking for these sort of good deals to put money in. When you bring all three of those pieces together, it really makes for an interesting approach. And our sort of approach on the day one side is to fractionalize. You don't need expertise all the time. Sometimes you just need it in this one specific project you need expertise in, and we have that. And so we feel that one need and then we're gone. And we're your on-demand expertise and you don't have to go out and try to spend a lot of money to, to get your own training. You can just bring it in for that one project and then you're done. And you and by doing that, you do get the training, but you're uh, getting it with someone who has years and years of experience. We've been doing that. And then because of COVID, I saw an opportunity to try a new approach for marketing Texas communities. And having worked with Team Texas, been on the board, chairman of that organization, having worked with the high ground of Texas out in West Texas, being part of, you know, the Dallas Regional Chamber, being part of the Austin Chamber of Commerce and their regional approach. I get regional and the efficiencies that you can get from that. And so I wanted to try a new digital approach, online marketing approach that a lot of business, business to business companies were using in the private sector, but it really hasn't translated into that, into the economic development world. And a lot of that is just because of the, it can be scary to be innovative inside the economic development space when you're playing with public dollars. Innovation is not something that's highly prized because it involves failure. People love the word innovation. They hate the word failure, and unfortunately, innovation is failure. It's just failure faster and, and with, with intention, it's, and sometimes in economic development, we don't get to do that, and so I saw the opportunity to fractionalize the risk and create an opportunity to generate leads for Texas communities, and especially coming off COVID, right? When in a non-COVID year, we do the traditional economic development outreach, right? We go to trade shows, we go to all these different missions, and but when all that goes away and you can't do that, and I didn't know how 2021 was going to be, I figured it was going to be some hangover from COVID and we wouldn't have in-person meetings and we wouldn't be able to get together. <clears throat> I wanted to create a system that allowed communities to reach business owners uh, directly. And so what we've created is the Texas Economic Development Connection. We target small businesses, 10 to 150 employees. So the larger businesses are being handled through the larger regional chambers, through the state governor's office. A lot of times they'll have brokers or in-house real estate teams that are taking care of that. So they don't have that. But what we wanted to do is target the small businesses 
And when I say small, it's relative. Like we've gotten some folks in that have 15, $20 million in revenue. I don't necessarily, I don't know that I'd call it a small business. It's not, it's not Amazon or Tesla or Boeing or some of those, but these guys need help and they just don't know where to get started. They know Texas is an option for them. They want to be in Texas, but they have no idea. Is it Austin, Houston, El Paso, Laredo, Galveston County? Like they don't know the difference. They just know we want to be when they say Houston, they mean in that poor area. You and I know from being around here, that's hundreds of different cities mm-hmm. that offer opportunities for them. And the decision that they make could be hundreds of thousands of dollars on incentive side, but probably doesn't change that much from a location or logistics or workforce. But even in North Texas, uh, in the span of just 15, less than five miles apart, if you if a certain business were to go to Frisco, giving it certain demographics and what they're after, they might not get an incentive at all. Yet they move five miles over to another town, they might get two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollar incentive. So if you don't know that, you're just happy to come in and get a spot because you're glad to be out of California. And what we wanted to do was connect business owners, get them to the professional economic developer that can help them and make it easy so they can get several quotes or bids or proposals and allow them to really study that and make a decision that makes uh, good sense for them. Anyway, that, that was the, the kind of the genesis of the Texas CD connection. And what we're finding is that it's working. It's taken us a little while. Our website's not up yet. We haven't, we've been using a landing page instead of a full blown website. And so we have several sort of iterations that we want to build, but we've at all poses or uh, hinges around getting the website up and going. And this new style of marketing is, it's, we've learned some things. I will say it worked in that we've had some missteps. The first things that we put out there didn't connect or they connected with the wrong type of, people thought we were a moving company. And so they were calling us about, I should have started a moving company. That would have been smart. But people thought we were you know actually moving them. And and so we learned how to, to navigate that a little bit and make our target is a little bit better. And so the goal is that with each passing year, we'll get just better and better because we'll have more marketing revolutions behind us and we'll have more, basically more failures. And each failure brings us a little bit closer to the right um, target. And when people get into the awareness that we exist and that we will help them for free because the communities pay for the partnership then I think the word's going to grow. And so we're very excited uh, about where we are and we're still in the very early stages. And I'm, I'm still very so grateful that the community economic development industry has bought into what we're doing. And we had those first partners that bought into really just an idea, a vision. We didn't, we literally started from zero and that they, they joined us. And so we're very grateful it's very fun. We're, we're getting to talk to a ton of business owners and really understand what it is that uh, is driving their decisions. And why it's funny, they're just fed up with wherever they are. It's funny, it's not just California, it's Colorado, it's New York, New Jersey, um, Connecticut, Oregon. These, these folks are just, for whatever reason, they're fed up, they can't grow where they are, and they know Texas, they, they've seen it, read it, Texas is an option. Now they're just scratching their head trying to figure out where do I get started? How do I do that? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. That that's interesting. And it's very interesting to hear that you don't even have the website up and that you've done all this with a landing page that you've been able to generate leads and and all that. So I think that illustrates 
I think, an important lesson. And especially in economic development, where, as you said, there isn't a lot of freedom to innovate because innovation means failure, just failing fast. But so often we get this idea, we get these plans, we have this grandiose idea, and it takes a long time to see any results. We have to spend a lot of money, a lot of effort to see any results. And I think just in a little way, you've proven the idea or the concept that you take your idea, your grand idea, and you distill it down to its, what is the the smallest thing that we can do right now or in the next day that'll get this moving forward, that'll give us some results. And that's sort of the same thing with um, not having a website, but just having a landing page. That's that's pretty common knowledge in, the, in B2B and B2C marketing. It's just not something that's translated over into economic development where we hear so often, you got to have a website, you got to pay $100,000, you got to do all this stuff to have your website. No, you need a landing page. You need to get that landing page in front of your prospects and see if it resonates. See if the text you use resonates. See if you know the story and the emotion or the place or whatever it is. See if that resonates with the right prospects. And then figure out if the prospects are the right prospects. You said that you had companies that were coming to you because they thought that you were a moving company. You're right. They weren't the right prospects. They weren't the, the companies that you needed to be in front of. And as you refined that, that allowed you Although it might be a failure that that happened, no, it just moved you closer ultimately to this goal of where you want to be. So that's super interesting. So what, I guess, what kinds of businesses are you targeting with the Texas? Really, we're targeting more by location, obviously, the states that we mentioned. There's a handful of industries, but really it's more about what we're finding is that it's, there's not a specific industry. It's, it's people who make things is what, I mean, they're manufacturers. There's been a lot of it. People who have a product that they know that they make, they are in a situation where they need to grow, but they can't for various reasons that it doesn't make sense to grow where they are. Some of it is the workforce restrictions that California has when you cross over a certain number. Um, it creates a whole new level of operational cost, and they just can't afford to do that and grow their business. And what, we've, what we're figuring out is it's less important to be the right industry, but it's, we're fine. What's that? first thing we grab onto and then we can expand and manufacturing is what we've decided because of our partners and who they are. It, 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 it could be a knowledge product, but a lot of times it's a physical product or something that's being brought in or, or that they're manipulating in some way. So that tends to be it. And what I told uh, our marketing team is I don't care if you make a button for John Deere tractors or a button for Boeing helicopters. We want you in Texas. That It doesn't matter to me that you're aerospace or they both do the same thing. They're both buttons and they both have similar things. But if you think about it, like traditional economic development, when we do target industries, I'm going to target the aerospace industry. But maybe you have the same workforce that would make electronic buttons for John Deere tractors, but they fall into agriculture or something and you wouldn't even target them. So it's less about focusing on the industry and more on the size of the company, the location of the company. And we're even getting into some of the psychographics of the owner, right? So we're not targeting the company as a company. We're targeting the business owner as an owner, who is someone who, someone who might be fed up with the type of political economic constraints that their state's putting on them tends to fall into a certain political category. So we're targeting that psychographic, if that makes sense. We're looking at 
the messaging for men versus women is, is we're playing with that. It's not just, and we're having to look at what's, what are the numbers telling us? The types of businesses, they've been in business for so long, they're at this stage of their existence. And so they're, we're looking at all of those different factors instead of just the industry class. And so that's been interesting. We've had an electronics Bluetooth speaker group that's reached out to us. Um, We've had a small machine shop, high precision machine shop company reach out to us. We've had a logistics company reach out to us. It's just, it's all over the board. The one thing they have in common is they're fed up with where they are and they're constricted and they want to grow. And so they know Texas is a good spot for them. So they need workforce and they need the economic environment that allows them and and not just allows them, but encourages them to be successful. And it seems like the other states just penalize you for your success because they see you as an easy target of a way to generate revenue. And and we're seeing in Colorado, for example, it's not even about the taxes because the it's a fee system or the guy was explaining it to me was it wasn't about the taxes because those are fixed but what they decided to do is start adding these different fees which is almost even worse because now you don't have it's not like you get to vote on a fee it's it's a fee that just somebody decides you have to pay and so it was just like throw my hands up I, I can't do this anymore I love the I love the environment in Colorado as far as nature and that sort of thing but we can't be successful here yeah Having come from California, I understand that all too well. In California right now, they're, or for the last, I don't know, five years, four years, they've been raising the minimum wage from uh, whatever, I think it was $10 an hour, and eventually it's going to get up to $15 an hour. And depending on the size of the establishment, the number of employees that you have at your business, you there you have there's two different minimum wages. There's a minimum wage for small, very small companies, and there's a minimum wage for everybody else. And so there is this real incentive to stay small. There's a, a disincentive to grow, to disincentive to get bigger. Restaurants cut their staff so they would be under the limit and pay mm-hmm. pay differently and all, all that kind of stuff. And yes, recruiting here in Galveston County, I see the I see all of those same things that you're talking about. Know that Texas is a great place. They know that we reward effort and work and success here, and we want them to grow. We want them to be successful, and they just don't see the possibility of doing that, whether they're in, like like you said, California or Colorado or New York or Illinois. Texas is absolutely the place to be. But the other thing that you hit on that was super interesting is the the psychographics of the business owner themselves, because I have a, had a number of experiences where I've reached out to someone, talked to them, and uh, explained that I was recruiting them to Galveston County, Texas, and they were completely put off. There is no way that they would ever move to Texas. They, they were probably it was probably said more strongly. And you're right; those are absolutely the kinds of people that you don't want to go after. That you can probably determine using. Um, various metrics, political and social and and whatnot. But I I think that's super interesting. That's an excellent observation. It started out just as a joke, right? People said, we don't don't want people moving from California here and then creating a new California. And so I got to thinking about that. I was like, okay, well, how do do we not do that? How do we... And plus, again, you want to maximize the dollar, right? We only have so many dollars to spend and it makes no sense to get you in the funnel with you're anti-Texas, right? I'm not trying to convince. I always tell people we're not marketing to we're not marketing Texas per se. Like the state does that, the 
a lot of people market Texas and why Texas and go big in Texas. That's what they do. And that's their job. And they do a wonderful job of it. What we're doing is targeting the people who've already decided I'm going to Texas. Now I just got to figure out how to get there. And those are the people I don't want to spend any time or effort trying to convince someone to become a Texan. I want the people who have decided to become a Texan. And now I'm just telling them they should be in Galveston County instead of somewhere else. If they want to be in the port. They want this kind of, they want to be coast. Uh, they want to be close to the coast and have a boat and all this stuff. You probably don't want to live in the Panhandle. So you want to be in this area. And so that's what we're, that's what we're doing. And then, so you guys aren't, you're not site selectors so much. You're, you're working directly for the, the EDs pay you a flat rate on an annual basis. At Galveston County, we're a member of the Texas ED Connection. We pay you a flat rate on an annual basis. And from that, you guys operate and send us leads and, whatnot. That's, I'd say that's a good model. And is there, are there other organizations like that, that you know of in the country? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, not that there's not, it's a regional, you, you could liken us to a regional group, but we have a very narrow focus, right? We're doing some education around and doing some value added stuff for our members. We realize that if we can help our members be better at re- replying to RFPs and being better at, at site visits and having more information, then we'll win more projects because they're they're better. But we're really we we don't make money by we don't make money from the companies. We're not trying to, and, and I have no. I don't care whether you go to Galveston County or to Dumas, Texas. That makes no difference to me. It's your decision. I'm just connecting you with the people that can help give you the best proposal or the best information possible to make that decision. And so that's what we're trying to do. I don't know that anybody else is doing that. There, there I guess there could be, but I, I haven't come across it. And again, we're not we're not wasting dollars trying to convince people to become Texans. We're we're pretty targeted where we are. And thank you, by the way, for being a, a partner and coming in early. And I, I'm always so amazed that so many people decided to jump on board with something that wasn't real yet and, and let us build it and, and watch us and be part of that. We're excited about where it's headed. And, um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anybody else is doing that. But. If they're not, and you, there could be a whole different, uh, different group, people that just want to move to California and people that just want to move to, to Colorado, they could, they could do this whole same thing. You could just target the people who've already decided they want to move there and they're the right, you know, kind of people to be there and shuffle them around. And as, as manufacturing grows in the United States in the next uh, decade or so, things are going to change in different places and different places are going to have different opportunities. And I'm sure there might be an option for something like that. And that's, we're not, we take the political out of it. Most states are, are, are heavily centralized. Texas is very decentralized, which is awesome. We love that, but it makes it very hard on the end user. We've, we've heard site selectors for years. I've sit in meetings and listened to them complain about, I have to call all these different cities and the regional groups help with that. The state helps with that somewhat on the bigger projects. But I got to thinking, you know, small people, they're just you know, out of luck because of just the capacity, the sheer capacity of these organizations to handle it all wasn't there. And yeah, I think privatizing economic development, the pathway, again, we're not competing with site selectors. In fact, I hope someday the site selectors see us as a, an alternative when they have smaller projects that might not be able to get through the state because of a backlog or whatever. I hope they see that. But really, it's I think an opportunity for us to to play the connector 
And what I hope also is that we can leverage private dollars to do more marketing. Uh, and that doesn't really happen a lot of times in economic development. We, in Texas anyway, we rely on our own sales tax. But I see a way to create partnerships that make sense for engineering companies and architects and banks and insurance companies. You think about all the things that a business needs when it moves to a new state. So they've got to have a new health insurance provider. They've got to have some they have local financing. They've got to have a, a local attorney. So we hope to be able to make these partnerships and create these partnerships that allow us to take those private funds and help do more marketing for the public side and leverage those dollars to create more opportunity. It's definitely a different way to think about it, but yeah, we're we're excited about the opportunity and the approach that we're taking. How did you end up becoming this entrepreneurial guy with all these sort of off the wall, out of the box ideas? Because <laughs> looking at your looking at your background, you don't like you said you you always wanted to be an entrepreneur. You didn't you don't strike me as somebody who necessarily knew that twenty years ago you were going to be in this place. I I don't. It, and every day it, I scratch my head because being an entrepreneur, uh, being a business owner, I always tell people I would be a much better economic developer today. Than I, than I was when I was working for Jim. I was a good economic developer, but I would be better today because what I thought I knew about business and what they were going through, I now understand just how hard it is and how you go to bed every night um, worrying about people that work for you, how you just so much more on your plate. And it's not like you can check out and take a vacation and, and leave it all behind. Even when I'm on vacation, I'm worried and thinking about um, how do I stay ahead of the game? How do I uh, improve? How do I provide value to my clients? I have real people depending on the, the stuff we're doing every day. Um, and how I got here, I, I will tell you that we've just been blessed. Sometimes God takes care of people who don't know any better. And I feel like he's done that with us. When we left Frisco, it was a it was a really big decision. We're leaving a, a, a really nice salary and relative safety behind to do something that might or might not work with no safety. And, but when you believe in what you're doing and you, and it aligns with this sort of drive to, to have an impact and be a difference maker, it just works or is working so far. Zig Ziglar used to say, when you help enough other people get what they want, you get what you want. And to create it, I wanted to create a lifestyle that allowed me to help people in the way that I wanted to do it. I wanted to be called Super Dave. I wanted to not dress in a suit and tie every day. I wanted to have the freedom to do this from anywhere, anytime, any place. And this has given me that. And and at the same time, I get to have an impact. I get to make a difference. And every time we're able to help a community land a new job, a new company, it's it's not about helping just that economic developer and that business owner. It's about the 50 people that get hired from that job. And it's about the, the economic developer and the community that that person's in and his livelihood or her livelihood and her kids. And so it's just a much bigger cause. And not that I wasn't able to have a, make a difference as an economic developer, because I was, I believed in what I was doing. It just got to the point where you know, I thought there was more to it and I felt a calling and uh, I will tell you, it's terrifying. My wife is still, she was not, she's a banker's daughter. So she's very traditional nine to five job. And it was, it's been a stressful situation for three years, but we've grown used to being 
if you can get comfortable being uncomfortable, then, you know, growth can happen and good things will follow. And so that's what's, that's what's uh, happened so far. We've been blessed. We have a lot of good people that believe in what we're doing and see the opportunities that we're creating. And, you know, so far, so good. And like you said, you can always go back to being an economic developer. Yeah, I, I actually have my driver's license, too, from the school bus days. I still have my CDL, so I could always, I told my wife, I could go into the oil field or even the construction around here. I could drive a cement truck and probably earn $70,000, $80,000 a year and uh, be home every night. So. That's right. That's <laughs> so right. there's always that, right? There's always that. So I asked you, in the pre-interview, I asked you what your favorite, what your favorite book was. Yeah. You and you said it was the yeah, question behind the question by John Miller. Yeah. Thank you for that. I had to really think about that because I'm an avid reader. I'm probably reading a book and a half a week and I have for years. I just consume a lot of books. I believe that it's important to read. Although I've gotten to the point now where my business coach has said, maybe you shouldn't read every day. You're, you've got so many thoughts and so many different things in your head. You might should pause for a little bit. But that book, I, when I look back at the thing that started it all. It's, and it's a little book. It's so funny. When I realized that I was in charge of my own sort of reality, good, bad, or ugly, it didn't matter that my parents did this or that. It didn't matter that my boss or the mayor or somebody else did this or that. I was in charge. I, in some way, created that reality. I had to take ownership of it. When that, when I realized that, then I started being very intentional with everything. What did I read? What did I put in my head? I stopped watching the news. I haven't watched the news in decades. I just, I don't need it. I, I haven't missed anything. The people, people always let me know when something big's going on or that I need to know. I, I find it, but I don't need that daily negative. I don't know. I'm just very intentional with what I put in my head. The people I'm around, even the type of music I listen to, I'm just very intentional with all my actions because it all, I, I realized through that book, uh, and as simple as it is, that when you ask better questions, you get better answers. And so if you want better answers in your life, you should ask better questions. And you start asking, how did, how, how did I end up here? What did I do? What did I do? Not what did somebody do to me? And I realized that people in, in every, whether it's Democrat, Republican, at every phase of economic times in our lives, people, somebody made money, somebody was successful. So what was it that they did? And I wanted to be part of that. I wanted to, I wanted to take ownership of that. And I think that probably led eventually to entrepreneurship. Like you, you stop relying on someone else to make you happy or you're successful. And you start saying, what can I do? And, and I, I'm working infinitely more than I worked at Frisco. Um, making less money than I made at Frisco, but I'm a lot happier than I was because I'm building something of my own. And all of that started way back when I read the QBQ, which was just a little bitty book and helped me realize that it's on me. And that's, if we could get more people taking responsibility for themselves and their happiness, I think the world would be a better place. That's just my thought. That's true. I think figure out who you are and be that way on purpose. I think that's exactly the case. Yes. You know, my, my nickname or my handle for social media is Dave Quinn 24 seven. And even that had significant meaning because again, when I put it in, in Gmail all those years ago, 
there was a lot of Dave Quinns. And, and so they said Dave Quinn and it was some random number. And I'm like, it's going to be a random number. I should choose the number. And so I was thinking about what number to choose. And I thought about my class year and my birthday and all these different things. But at that time, I was getting a lot of questions from other economic developers about how to keep their social media stuff separate from, you know, their work stuff separate from their personal stuff. And if, you, if you've been in economic for very long, especially in a small town, you can't separate them things. You are, if you do something stupid on Saturday, it's going to reflect on Monday and you just can't help it. You can't go out and act silly on Saturday night and hope nobody finds out about it on Monday because they are going to know. And so, again, I decided right then and there that I was going to be Dave Quinn 24-7. I'm going to be the same guy on Monday that you meet on Saturday or I'm going to be the same guy on Saturday that you meet on Monday. Good, bad, and ugly, but I was not going to try to put on different personas for people because it's too exhausting. And so, again, back to the Super Dave persona, this is who I'm going to be 24-7. And that was that's part of that QBQ and deciding who you want to be. This has been an excellent conversation. I I appreciate you, you taking the time. And it's conversations like this that make this whole thing worth it. Like I said, I started this podcast so that I could talk to interesting economic developers. You are absolutely one of them. And I'm really glad that we got to meet. And I hope that you make it down to Galveston so that we can uh, hang out in person. Or is the Texas Economic Development Connection having a conference this year? We'll have one on September 9th. We'll have our partnership meeting. We'll have everybody. And it's a one day, two to nine or two to 10. And we're putting that together now. And uh, yeah, so we're going to, we're going to do that. I think you should have gotten something in the mail if you hadn't already in an email. You should be getting it any day now to, to hold that date. But we checked, we tried to check every IMC and IEDC and all the other different letters to say. And I think we might have run into somebody might be having a, I don't know if it's Team Texas or Texas One or somebody might be having something that week or trip, but we just couldn't avoid it. We tried to move it all over the place and then we just kept running into different things, but we finally uh, landed on that date. But yeah, we're going to have one. Um, very excited about that. Our first one in May was really well. It was well received. We had some great breakout sessions and uh, folks really got some value from that. And it's amazing when you put people together and you create a community you learn that everybody's facing similar challenges and it's refreshing to know you're not alone and that you have now the ability to reach out to someone uh, on a one-to-one relationship and, and ask them questions and how can I get better at what I'm doing and around a specific topic. So we're very excited about that and we look forward to, to having everybody in person. I'm looking forward to that. Speaking of that, if somebody wants to get out, reach out to you, if they want to get in touch, what is the best way for them to do that? Man, I'll tell you the best way to get me is LinkedIn is the best professional way. You can find me on all the social media. It's Dave Quinn 247 But we have day one, uh, D1 experts, and then we also have the Texas EDC connection, Texas ED connection. But it, hey, just Google Super Dave Quinn and see what comes up. I'd be great to hear the story about how people do that. We'll see if it's working. But usually LinkedIn comes up and all of our information, contact information is there. And that's where I usually send people. It's the easiest, fastest for me. Good it's deal. Like a yeah, giant it's, it's world Rolodex. Exactly. It's amazing. I, I feel like LinkedIn's getting so much better. It was this tool that was useful for for a long, all marginally useful for a long time, and now I feel like it's so much better. It's it's actually useful. Yeah, you have to sort through all the bots and things and reach outs and stuff, but even that can be helpful because 
people reach out to you and you're like, yes, I need that. Thank you for reaching out to me. I don't mind that so much, but you get the good with the bad, but it's one of my go-to platforms, especially for business and, and doing, I, I can't imagine if you're an e-com developer trying to sell to a business owner that you wouldn't be on LinkedIn. Dave, it's been excellent. I really appreciate it. You're a great guest and I hope to see you soon. Hey, Dane. Thanks. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate the opportunity. Really do. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.